0: How would you define patience? Here's what Trent Griffith says. Patience. How you doing with that?
1: Like, we don't have time to talk about that. Let's move on, okay? When is this service gonna be over for crying out loud? Um, How you doing on a patience scale? What is patience? Patience is your willingness to endure pain
0: while waiting for God. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Trent is in a series from Ephesians chapter four titled, Walk Worthy, A Deeper Conviction. Let's review some of what we heard last week and then we'll continue with his message on walking in unity. The manner of my walk
1: reveals the measure of Christ's worth in my life. When it comes down to it, the manner of my walk reveals the measure of Christ's worth. How much is Jesus Christ worth to you? The more value you place in Jesus Christ, the more motivated you are to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. You turn your back on where you were, whatever direction you were going, or maybe just sitting there, and all of a sudden you're moving toward the Father. Do you understand the implications of what it means to walk worthy? Are you walking this morning? Are you walking worthy of the calling to which you have been called? called. It's a conviction. I'm going to get back in the walk. I'm going to get back on the path and I'm not going to walk alone. That's what Christ is calling us to this morning. So how do we do that? How do we Walk in a way that generates unity. This is what I want you to notice here about verse three. Notice here it says, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Everybody's talking about unity and how to create unity. I want you to notice something from this verse. Unity is not something you create. Unity is something that you what? According to verse three, look at your Bible. Unity is something Not that you create, unity is something you maintain because it's the unity of the spirit. You see, here's the thing. The culture is looking for a way to create unity and the reason they have to create it is because they're not bringing themselves under the authority of the spirit which creates the unity when you put yourself under the authority together of the spirit. And so what he's about to give us, what he gives us in verse two, he actually gives us the ingredients of unity, okay? It's kind of like soup. You got to have the right ingredients to make the soup. Everybody wants the soup of unity in our culture, but very few people want to use the ingredients that maintain the unity. It's like, do you like chicken noodle soup? Everybody like chicken noodle soup? Uh, Do you like chicken noodle soup without chicken and noodles? Like, so we want the soup, we just don't want the ingredients. We, we, you cannot have chicken noodle soup if you're unwilling to add the noodles and the chicken, okay? So what we're about to see is five ingredients here that maintain the unity, and the first one is found up in verse two. So what is it? With all humility. There's the first ingredient, humility. What is humility? There's a lot of different ways you can define humility. Humility. But um, probably the best way to define it is simply this. Humility is the attitude that continually acknowledges need. It's the attitude that continually acknowledges need. I have so much unfinished business in my life that I continually have to cry out to God, Help. Help, God. I can't go through this day without you. I can't maintain this unity, this relationship without you. And what that attitude does is it strips you of an attitude of superiority over anyone. And do you know how attractive humility is? And do you know how repulsive an attitude of superiority is? And so what is it that destroys unity? It's pride, arrogance, and an attitude of superiority. But it is a humble attitude that says, you know what? I'm going to welcome other people into my life because I realize I'm not better than anybody or anyone. And it's that attitude of welcoming, it's that attitude, hey, you you got unfinished business in your life, so do I, come on, join the club. And do you know how attractive a church is that has an attitude of humility? In a culture, in a world where everybody's looking for unity, what a great opportunity it is for a church to say, you got problems, we got problems, we're just coming to Christ with our problems, and if you wanna come with us, you are welcomed here without judgment. But how often do people not come to our churches and not want to have anything to do with Christians because they feel like they will be judged because they're different, or because they're sinners, or because they have shame or regret or mistakes in their past, or maybe they even have struggles with things like gender identity, for crying out loud. Would we welcome people that, that would come with issues that deep, or would we stand back and say, you're not, listen, not here. Everybody, no matter the race, the color, the age, the gender, or whatever sin baggage you may bring, bring it all here, because we are here to bring all of it under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's a humble church. Anybody see any good movies lately? Yeah, so uh, uh, did you know, did you know, the resurrection of Gavin Stone? And so, uh, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Uh, the, the best scene in the movie is, is when the pastor is talking to his pastor's daughter and they're, they're trying to figure out what to do with this newcomer, this outsider in church. And uh, she's not really impressed with him because he's kind of arrogant and has some unfinished business, doesn't know all the house rules. He's not been house trained in church. And so uh, they're trying to figure out what to do with this guy. And, and it comes down to the, the question of this. Isn't this what we do as a church? This is what we do. I will welcome without judgment. And it is a humble attitude that is willing to accept someone wherever they are, no matter what their struggle, no matter what their sin, and say, you know what? You are welcome here. We welcome without judgment when we have an attitude that is humble. And we recognize, I need God. Another thing that God does to keep you humble, he does two things. The first thing we've already talked about, he convicts you of sin. And a humble person, when God convicts them of sin, you know what they do? They agree with God. Do you know what a proud person does when they're convicted of sin? They argue with God. So if you have an attitude of humility, what you're doing is you're welcoming the conviction of God so that you can agree with God, so that you can walk worthy of the calling to which you've been called. The second thing that God does to keep you humble is he creates circumstances in your life that you can't handle, control, or figure out so that you understand how much you need God. Sometimes that means losing a job, losing a relationship, losing health. Because be honest, isn't it in those times when you are broken that you are most humble? Isn't it in those times when there's plenty of money in the bank and relationships are going right and everybody's applauding and praising you and telling you how great you are that you're tempted to have an attitude of superiority? So you know what God is? God is so committed to you welcoming people without judgment. God is so committed to you being humble. He does two things. He convicts of sin and he creates circumstances you can't handle so that you will acknowledge, help God, I need you. That's an attitude of humility. And that's the first ingredient. If we're gonna maintain the bond of unity. Here's the second ingredient, what is it? Look in your Bible, verse two, with all humility, next word, and gentleness, gentleness. Uh, Men, let me just talk to the men here for a minute. How often has your wife accused you of being too gentle? You know what, you're just being way too nice today. Um, You're thinking of me way too much. Uh, You're being way too considerate. You're putting me ahead of you uh, way too often. You need to think of yourself a little more. Uh, That tone of voice that you're using, that is way too soft and tender. Men, uh, are you like me in process of like, I got to get better at that? My tone, my attitude is not worthy of the calling to which I've been called. Gentleness refines anything in me that communicates harshness. And it's an occupational hazard for a preacher to be a husband who's gentle. Why? Because I wanna convince Andrea. I mean, I've got, I got three points and an outline and I got Greek words and, I, I, and, and so often I'm not gentle. So humility and gentleness. And then here's the, the third ingredient Patience. How you doing with that? Like, we don't have time to talk about that. Let's move on, okay? <laughs> when is this service gonna be over for crying out loud? Um, how you doing on a patience scale? What is patience? Patience is your willingness to endure pain while waiting for God. While waiting for God to change me, while waiting for God to change me, another person, or waiting for God to change a circumstance. So that's another ingredient. And if we're gonna be patient, the next thing is this. It says, bearing with one another. You might just write the word down, forbearance. Forbearance. Because you're gonna have to encounter jacked up people. And by the way, the longer it takes you to admit that you're one of those jacked up people, the more you've got to go back to the first ingredient of humility. So humility and gentleness and patience and forbearance. Do you know what forbearance does? It covers the faults of another without striking back, bearing with one another. And this leads to another conviction that we're gonna have. Not only will I welcome without judgment, but I will forgive without judgment limit. And all of these things are embodied in Jesus Christ, right? Isn't that the way that you want Jesus to welcome you? Isn't that the way that you want Jesus to forgive you without limit? And so we as the church are going to walk worthy of the way that Christ has treated us. And then here's the third thing. I will love without condition. And we find that's the fifth ingredient there at the end of verse two bearing with one another in love. Love is the super glue of unity. And love means that I can see the image of God in every person, no matter how jacked up they are. The image of God is stamped on every person, no matter how far from God they are. And I can love them because they're an image bearer of God. Love empathizes with a person's pain. The pain of their past. The most hurtful people are usually the people that have been hurt the most. Hurt people do what? Hurt people. So if you've been hurt by a person, you might wanna look through your pain to see the pain of that person and what's been going on in their past. If you can do that, you can love that person, even if they've hurt you. And love pays the price to press through that barrier. And love, listen, love always speaks the truth. We speak the truth in love. We're gonna learn that later on at the end of chapter four here. Love doesn't shave off the hard edges. Sometimes I have to look at a person, because I love you, I cannot affirm the way you're acting because the way you're acting is destructive to you, to me, and to God. And I love you enough to tell you that. So we like to talk about how around here, We preach without apology. How many of you have noticed that? We preach without apology. Now listen, if we're gonna be a church that preaches without apology, we better learn to welcome without judgment. And we better learn to forgive without limit. And we better learn to love without condition. Otherwise, there will be no unity here. Wouldn't you love to come to a church like that? Yeah. For those of you that have seen the movie, The Resurrection of Gavin Stone, there is a movie star in there. Uh, His name is Shawn Michaels. It's his first movie. I know how he feels. And uh, (laughs) Shawn Michaels is is not a a professional movie actor. He's actually a professional wrestler. How many of you already knew that? (laughs) Some of you are ashamed to admit it, but you knew it. And uh, I don't know what comes to mind when you think of professional wrestler, but humility gentleness, forbearance are not words that readily come to mind. And yet God can change anybody. Watch this. Shawn Michaels was born to be a superstar. Shawn Michaels is the most decorated superstar in history.
2: But what I am is a showstopper. was a shy very quiet kid no one was more surprised than the people who really knew me back back home in Texas about this line of work that I was in in the wrestling business we have good guys and bad guys or as we used to reference it heels and baby faces the opportunity came for me to be a a heel. as I turned into a heel and I began to sort of go on this journey of who this character, this gimmick would be, it just continued to grow. And it certainly unleashed in me this, I don't know, this side of where I could just go out there and do absolutely anything. But it came out through, uh, honestly, through drugs and alcohol. It was the only way that I had the ability to show any type of personality other than the shy, quiet kid. We used to say things, or certainly I said things like, hey, man, I only party when I'm on the road. Okay, we're on the road 250-plus days a year. Hello. <laughs> you, know, you know. I got into wrestling at 19. I hadn't even really found out who I was as a man yet. They all just sort of melded into one, and I didn't know where Shawn Hickenbottom ended and Shawn Michaels began, to be perfectly honest. As if the, the marriage and everything didn't happen fast enough, six weeks after we're married, we find out she's pregnant. And now by this time, she's realized that the little partying that she saw me doing is not just a little thing. It's like he does that every day. And in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I've got nine months to, to clean up. The baby is born on many levels. It's, it, I can grasp that it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me, but I still don't have the ability to turn into this man that I need to become. continuing to go to Bible study and she's just changing and I don't know she there's just something about her as all this is going on she's not pushing me anymore towards anything she's just an unbelievable mom and an unbelievable wife this one yearning to be a better husband for her so it's the weekend and I'm getting myself into a little bit of a haze my son's crawling on me and I can hear him faintly say daddy's tired and for the first time ever, I realized, you now he's two, and he's being able to, he can now see that there's a difference in me. And it just hits me like a ton of bricks, like, oh, my goodness. He he sees it now. I mean, i, I and of course, I can flash back to remembering, he got nine months. And all these times, I'm going to change, and am going change, two years later, three years later. I can't do this anymore. It bothered me so much. Lo and behold, one day, I find myself, in the parking lot of Cornerstone Church. I'm drawn to this place. I know that the good Lord is trying to tell me something, and I know it's in that big building. And I say, Look, I'm I'm looking for a Bible study. The lady looks up at me and, and uh, I think she thinks at first I'm there to rob the place. This gentleman sticks his head out of his office. He's their computer guy. He says, You can come to mine. He goes Wednesday night seven o'clock. Come. I'll give you directions to my house. Well, he tells me, "Look, Sean, you know, to be a part of this Bible study, you got to accept Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior." You know, do you, would you, would you like that? And I said, you know something I think I would." He leads me in the Sinner's Prayer, and I just weep like a baby. This feeling comes over me that it's like it's all they discipled me. Uh, I mean, my, my life was never the same. it's never been the same. And it, it, you know, I never touched another drug. It's so funny, I came home. I'm like, oh my goodness, the greatest thing ever. I'm driving home, I, I come in the door, I said, honey, I know what it is, it's Jesus, I'm saved. And I tell her everything that happened, she looked at me and she goes, I know. I said, what do you mean? I said, This whole time I said, I've been trying to figure it out, she said, look, I, I've known all along. She said, "I, I need, you needed to find this on your own. She said, I was just so worried that if I pushed you, it, it wouldn't, wouldn't happen. And then she begins to tell me how all those nights after I passed out, she'd go to the closet, she'd pray for me. You know what I mean? And, I, and of course, ugh. Oh. It is whatever it is, fifteen years later. They still get I'm just holding them back. I'm holding them back. When I was a horrific wretch, didn't pine away at me, she went in there, into that closet, and prayed for me. I don't think there's any greater thing you can do for someone. You know, there are little things here and there that, things that I wouldn't compromise on. There was a time during my career after I went back that they wanted me to go over to SmackDown, um, which taped on Tuesday nights, which would have affected my wife's Bible study and mine. And it was just something I wasn't gonna do. We could cut your contract in half. They do whatever you gotta do, I said, you need to understand the good Lord's already decided how much money I'm gonna make this year, not you gonna change it, so. He said, look, it doesn't. You know, it's not. It's not, not a big budget. And of course, again, I think it doesn't it totally throws him off. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love to do it. Certainly, a faith-based film. It sounds. It sounds like a obviously a great thing to do. And he's like, all right, we'll I'll let him know. And so I think they were. Uh, I think they were surprised at the fact that I wanted to do it. Made it even better that the script was really good. I've seen a lot of Christian films. I attend a lot of them. A great many of them. I enjoy some of them. Not so much. I know how. Christians are perceived. That's what I liked so much about this. But I was thrilled, I don't know, just to to be with a, a different kind of group. To be in my first film and to have it be in a place where I was so unbelievably comfortable, I think was good for me. You know a guy who's lived a bad life and that Jesus is come and saved, and you can instantly sort of bond over that, and you don't have to say too much to one another. Just You get it. The biggest change for me, I think, is I live a life of gratitude and thankfulness now. A lot of guys that I used to party with uh, are no longer here. I was headed down the same road. It sounds melodramatic, but it's true. I'm amazed at the life that I've been given that I so unbelievably don't deserve. And of course, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I thank you, my King, for saving me.
1: If you would, just stand there, bow your head for a moment. We've covered a lot of territory today. We've talked about walking worthy. Can I just simply ask you, are you? Have you even taken your first step? If not... Now would be a great time. Open up your heart by faith. Tell the Lord, I'm tired of walking in the wrong direction, I'm tired of being distracted by shiny things. But today, by faith, I want to trust you. At the end of the service, our pastors are here, and you can come and maybe even physically walk from where you are to where they are, and just say, "I need to begin." A love to pray with you, point you in the right direction. For, the, for others, you know what that's like. You've walked for a while. but Maybe something's tripped you up. Maybe something's distracted you. Maybe you've fallen. You've been broken. You're not even sure if it's safe to walk any further. Would you just tell the Lord right now, God, you're worthy of more than that. And I wanna take the next step towards you, take another step, and keep walking. If we're gonna be a church that is unified, we're gonna have to have a deep conviction about welcoming without judgment, forgiving without limit, and loving without condition. You may have thought of people right now with whom there's disunity could be a spouse, former spouse, child, stepchild, stepfather, somebody in your family. Could be somebody that's just kind of an outsider. Maybe they don't look like you. They don't talk like you. They don't have tattoos like you. And you're fearful that they're so different that you could, know, you could find no commonality. Listen, would you let your love for God see the image of God in that person? risk welcoming that person into your circle and into this church so they could hear the gospel. We are all objects of God's mercy. There's never a day that we don't need a fresh batch of God's mercy and grace. We're gonna sing in just a moment, but before we do, would you just tell the Lord, God, I need you as an act of humility. God, I need you. Lord, today, uh, we declare that afresh and anew. We need you. We need a fresh filling of your spirit. We need a fresh batch of your love. And God, we need to walk worthy of the things that you've called us to. So God, thank you for humble hearts that are calling out to you right now. Would you remind us of your mercy, your loving kindness that leads us to repent?
0: Telling God we need him is a great place to start when it comes to promoting unity in the bond of peace. That's Trent Griffith speaking not too long ago at Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. And as you heard today, Gospel City works hard to be a church that welcomes without judgment, forgives without limit, and loves without condition. In fact, maybe it's been a long time since you've stepped foot in a church, and I want you to know you're welcome at Gospel City Church. Don't be afraid to show up and worship Jesus Christ with us. You might say, how do I do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. First, go to mygospelcity.org then click or tap where you see I'm new here. There's information there about service times and locations and answers to other questions that you might have. Again, our website is mygospelcity.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook by searching for Gospel City Church. Well, everyone loves the thought of unity, but in order for us to be unified, we need some principles to unify around. Pastor Trent will dive into those next week right here on Resonate. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's word and the unity of his spirit would resonate in your heart this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a ministry of Gospel City Church. MyGospelCity.org.